Amen. You good? I want you to just go back to the scripture now as we continue. Uh, Psalms 90 and verse 12. This is where we started this morning. Amen. You okay? Psalms 90 verse 12. The Bible says, So teach us, Lord, to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Let us pray. Father God, once again, we want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity, the freedom to praise you, to just worship you from the depths of our hearts, O oh God. Father, I pray tonight, even as we open our hearts to hear your word, let your word touch and change us, Father God. Father, we want to be inspired, we want to be taken to a whole new level in our walk with you, because we want to know you more, and we want to be like Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. This morning, I started teaching on the eight foundations of life, and I've stopped at uh, foundation number four. And then I'm, I promise, as I promise, I'm going to go through four more, and then we'll end uh, this series of sermon. Now, the eight foundations of life, they are like the eight spokes of a wheel, or the guys will call it the sports rim. Now, the eight of them ought to be equally strong, equally balanced, in order for the car and for the wheel to be able to go smoothly and travel far. Now, if one of the spokes not working or it's crooked, then you'll find that your journey would be affected. There are eight keys that will bring about a balance and a success in our lives. Now, if one of them is not working, we will suffer. So this morning, we learn about spirituality. We are a spiritual being. Then we need to learn to pray, to read the Bible, and to hang out with godly people. Now, these are the keys to building a strong spiritual life. Go to church. And then I talk about work. Work is not a punishment from God. Adam started working long before the fall. So church, we ought to be excellent in all that we do and in all that we want to achieve in our workplace. Turn up at work early. Don't be late. And be a responsible employee in the workplace. I also talk about relationship. We're going to put in effort to agree with other people and to love them. And then, of course, I also talk about physical health. Be healthy. Because we do not want sickness to short circuit or to hinder our walk with God. And now I want to continue with foundation number five, finances. 16 of the 30 parables in the New Testament that Jesus told the disciples were about money. Money is a big issue because money represents the way we live, represents our life. Money is not everything, but money will facilitate and serve us in our vision towards God. People say money makes the world go round. But is it true? I once read a print on a t-shirt. It says this, money cannot buy happiness. How many of you agree with me? All right. I believe only God, only Jesus can bring us happiness. Money cannot buy happiness. And then at the back of the t-shirt it says, but without money you cannot buy lollipops. <laughs> How true is that? You know, we can have a great vision from God. We can have great plans, great strategies. We can have great people around our lives. But without money, there are a lot of things we can't do. Money is not the end in itself. We don't serve for money. We don't live for money. It is a means to an end. Money ought to be our servant. It ought to help us get things done to serve our purpose in God. Now, I came to New Zealand all the way from Malaysia and... And I need money to buy the air ticket. I cannot turn up at the counter one day and say, 
I'm a pastor. I'm going to go to New Zealand. I'm going to preach the word of God. And I have faith. I have courage. I've got hope. I've got eternal life. I've got Jesus Christ in me. Give me a free ticket. It will not work. Are you with me? The air steward or whoever that's working at the counter will think I'm crazy. Now, the problem starts when people let money become their master and then rule and ruin their lives. Friends, money, it's good. But we are not to worship money. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18. The Bible says this, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. The Bible tells us that God gives us the power. He gives us the wisdom to get wealth. Now, the Bible never says it is God who gives you money. No, it is not the promise of the scripture. The Bible says he will give you the wisdom. God wants us to have the ability to generate income for the work of the kingdom of God. And everybody say, and everybody say, God wants us to be successful. God did not make us and then put us on planet earth so that you and I can be the most, can be the most miserable people on planet earth. God wants us to be a blessing. God wants the church to be a blessing. But he said, I will give you the wisdom to gain wealth. He's not saying, I will give you money straight away from heaven. Very often we pray and say, God, you know how I wish this morning, when I, I mean, tomorrow when I wake up, there'll be a pile of money in front of my house. That will be awesome. No, God doesn't work that way because our God is not a God of shortcuts. And everybody say, Amen. So God gives us the power, the ability to gain wealth. Now, what is wealth? Wealth is not just money. A lot of people think that if we talk about wealth, it only talks about money. Matthew chapter 6, 33 this morning, the Bible says what? We read this morning, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Wealth is all about priority in life. Who do you have as the number one place in your life? If you have God as the number one place, has the number one place in your life, then you will know that you are a wealthy person. And then what else comes second? Now, our family comes second. Our spouse, our family comes second. And then our ministry. Some people love their ministry more than they love God. Some people love to sing, love to be on stage more than loving being in the presence of God. Are you with me? All right? The Lord will give us the wisdom to gain wealth. And you and I have to work on it so that we can have a secure future. Psalms 35 and verse 27. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. God will be pleased when his children are doing well. God doesn't want us to be in debt all the time. Without vision, people perish. Without plan, money vanish. In our world today, a lot of people are getting into debt. In Malaysia, one of the biggest problems for young adults is getting into credit card debt. Now, we have a lot of attractive credit card programs in Malaysia. There's one that says uh, zero interest uh, installment plan. That means you buy first, you pay later, but no interest at all. So a lot of these people, they start buying and buying, thinking that the more I have, the happier I become. And then a year later, they realize they cannot facilitate the loan or facilitate the payment of the credit card. They get into all kinds of debts, and then the interest will soar. Now, just before I came, I received a check from the bank. 
$10,000. And uh, I thought I won a lucky draw or something. And then when I read the small prints, be careful of small prints, right? It says, if you cash out, I mean, if you cash in this check and you take the money and you have to pay us 2% every month or something like that, it wasn't free. There's no free lunch on earth. So because of that, because the enticement of a luxurious lifestyle, the advertisement of buy first, pay later, the fantasy of having pretty girls when you have a beautiful car, this is destroying a lot of young people in our country. I have no problem with people buying, just that we need to spend well within our means. And everybody say, if you have to borrow to buy, then it is always wrong. It can never be right. But pastor, I need this. No, you don't. Are you with me? All right, I need a new car. No, you don't need a new car. You don't need a new house. You don't need them. If you do not have the ability to pay back or to service the loan, then it is always wrong. There's this 811 principle that I've learned since young. All right, 10% goes to God. 10% goes to saving. The 80%, I'll use it to spend for my monthly expenses. Loan is money advanced to purchase property that is serviceable. That means you can always take a loan from the bank because you're buying a property, because property will increase. Debt is money advanced to purchase liabilities that is unserviceable. Are you with me tonight? So one of the greatest wealth principles is making profit through passive income. Church, we need to learn this. As children of God, we ought to be smarter. That means it is income generated without work. So how do we get there? We buy properties. We buy things that will appreciate in values. And then from the profit that we make from the investment that we have done earlier, spend on those profits. Amen? Amen? All right, that's how we should live. Otherwise, we will be in big trouble. I remember when I first started church, and um, I was only 26, and there were only 20 people in my church, all of them were students, and uh, finances was hard to come by. But as a pastor, I wanted them to get excited about God. I wanted to look after them well. So I took them out for dinner. I, buy them, I bought them Bibles. And, and I just keep spending on my credit card. In less than six months, I accumulated in total $17,000 of debts. Nobody taught me. And I didn't know anything about it. And I was quite desperate at one point because every month when I get my paycheck, all I could do was just to service my loan and, that's about, about, and that was about it. So I prayed and I seek the face of God. I said, God, this cannot be happening in my life. And I started to pay them back. Praise God, in six months, I paid up all my debts. And from then on, I was never in debt again. Never let debts, never let money or purchases short circuits our destiny in God. And everybody say, to the neighbor say, no more debts. Number five, four, five, number six, circumstances. The sixth foundation of life is circumstances. It is a fact of life. It is a law of the universe that no matter where you are on planet earth, you can never control your circumstances or what will happen to you. But you can always choose how you react. Are you with me? In Malaysia, one of the greatest challenges every day when you wake up and go to work is when you're driving. 
Everybody. Nobody knows how to drive except me. You understand? So, it's terrible. Like people cut into your lane. People stop all of a sudden. So you start to, uh, you react. And you start screaming and you start scolding them. You start taking out the cross from your car. You say, oh, that's the pastor. No, I'm not. Now, what we need to do is that we need to prepare ourselves how to react every day. When we go to work, there will be things that happen that's not favorable to us, but we need to learn how to react on that. So as believers, what should we do? We are learned to be contented at all times. We are to learn to be contented at all times. Exodus 20 and verse 17. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 17. The second book of the Old Testament, Exodus 20 and verse 17. The Bible says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Why? Because we are to be happy with what we have. Jealousy is not your neighbor having something that you don't have. Jealousy is your neighbor having something better than what you have. You get upset. So, as Christians, just be happy with what God has given to us. A lot of people, their destiny were being short-circuited. Their destiny was destroyed because they were greedy and they were jealous. Achan, in the time of Joshua, he was instructed to destroy everything that belonged to the Canaanites at Ai. What happened? He coveted their gold and the silver. He sold some of those things. He kept it back for himself. Because of that, the children of Israel lost the battle. He took of them when the Lord said no. He brought curse to the family and also defeat to the children of Israel. Covetousness caused him to disobey God. When it is not ours, don't take them. When it's, when it's not for us to keep, don't take. Gehazi. Who was Gehazi? Gehazi was the man who was supposed to take over the prophetic mantle from Elisha. But Gehazi was greedy. He wanted money, gold and silver, more than the call of God in his life. The Bible says, after Naaman left on a chariot, Gehazi ran after the chariot and chased after Naaman. I mean, he ran really fast because he could catch up with the horses. Are you with me? So seeing Naaman was healed, he coveted his good. He lied to God, his master, himself and Naaman and took of his possession. Covetousness caused him to lie. When Elisha asked him, where have you been? Nothing, nowhere. And then Elisha said, didn't my spirit go with you? Why did you take when it's not time to take? Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Spirit about their giving. They sold a piece of land and they gave it and they brought it to the apostles' feet. Now, it was not compulsory to give everything to the apostles. But they say they have given everything. They lied because they wanted to look good in front of other people. The first death in the Old Testament was Cain killing Abel over an offering. The first death in the New Testament was Ananias and Sapphira being struck dead because of an offering as well. Be careful with how you use the money or the money that belong to God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Alright? 
verse 6 to 8. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with this we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the Bible says. We brought nothing into this world, and we shall take nothing with us when we leave. And then it says, And having food and clothing, with this we shall be content. Today, we have clothes to wear. Be happy. We have food to eat. Be happy. Anything more than that is a bonus. I am happy because I'm safe. I'm happy because I know my life is in Jesus Christ. And that is enough. And when we learn to live like that, we can be easily contented and be happy. Paul said this, Not that I speak regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. One of the things that the young people realized after I came here this time around is that I love to eat noodles. Well, I'm Asian. Actually, when we first started our church, I, was, I had so little money, I would eat noodles every night. And because my church members would come to me and say, Pastor, I brought you a box of noodles. And, well, I didn't have much, so I just eat the noodles. And these are the, the instant noodle that takes like two minutes. Boil them in the water, and then you can start eating. Now, to me, I've learned to live with just noodles. I was happy because every night at home, I eat noodles, I read my Bible, read a book, I pray. Learn to be contented with whatever state that you have. Paul is saying that it is easy for people who have little to be happy when they have little. But it's not easy for those who have always enjoyed abundance to suddenly have to live with little. Paul was not a poor man. He was a rich man, but he gave it all for God. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. The Bible says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise of having Jesus, having God in our daily lives, is enough. So what is contentment? Contentment really is an attitude a state of mind whereby we're happy and thankful with what we have right now. Amen? But it does not mean I should dream and aim bigger for the work of God. When we carry ourselves like that, we learn to be happy, we learn to be contented. It's easier for us to hear God speaking into our lives. Paul had a problem. He had a servant by the name of Demas because he has forsaken him, having loved this present world. Things will never satisfy us. How big a TV do we need? I mean, many years ago, 29-inch TV, flat screen, was like the best deal in town. Two weeks later, it came out with 34-inches TV. And now we have, what, 50-inch plasma, 60-inch, 72-inch TV. So things will never satisfy us because they change all the time. So what do things do? Things do make things easier for us. Are you with me? It is better to have a car than to walk. Now, it will not satisfy us, but it only makes our lives easier. 
Are you with me? All right. Oh, pastor, if only my computer is faster, then I can do more for God. Yeah, right. All right. God, if you bless me with a better holiday, I promise you I'll serve you with all my heart. Oh, if only my bank account's got more money, I'll be a happier person. No, we will never be. Things can never satisfy us except for Jesus Christ. Never love the world more than God because the world is temporal, but God is eternal. Amen? Because the world is temporal, but God is eternal. Do not worry, the Bible says, what you will eat or what you will wear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. So, back when I was uh, a young man, well, I'm still a young man now, I hope. All right, back when I was uh, in my teenage years, uh, we're Asian. We grew up in this small little town. So, basically, all our lives are all planned out for us. You go to primary school, and then you go to high school. After that, you go and do your pre-university, and then you get your degree, and then you come back, you get a job, you find a wife, get married, have some kids, and then raise them up the same way you've been raised, all right? And then send them to primary school, high school, and then go to university, come back to Tawau, marry a wife, and then have some grandchildren. And that's about it. So when I finished my high school, I told my parents that I don't want to study anymore. They got a shock of their lives. Well, I said, I will study, but not now. I want to take a gap year and work in the church. They were pretty unhappy. But I say, I want to seek first the kingdom of God. I want to know if I will love God more than all these things that the world has to offer. So it was a big challenge for me. So when I was working in the church, I got very little pay. But I was happy because I was doing the work of the kingdom of God. Friends, I want all of us to learn to seek first the kingdom of God because the rest of the things that you ever wanted in your life, He will add it upon you. And everybody say... Amen. So how do we make our circumstances more favorable? Although we can't control them. Number one, be obedient to God. Number one, be obedient to God. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. From verse 1 onwards. Deuteronomy chapter 28. From verse 1. Now it shall come to pass... If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. That if we diligently obey the voice of the Lord our God, verse 2 says, the blessings of God will come and overtake us. When we obey God, one of the principles of the Bible is the law of sowing and reaping. It is very difficult for us to first learn how to sow because what if we don't reap? What if I give to God and God never bless me in return? Recently, we just conducted our fourth Arise and Build in our church to build our new church building. One, one of the business guys in our church, and um, the family was really new. So he, he thought, wow, you know, pastor challenged the people to give. So he, he is a very rich man. I mean, very rich, a lot of money. He said, well, since this is our first time and uh, it's only our first year in City Harvest, I will just pledge maybe 300 ringgit, well, like $300. So, but the problem was he went around and started to survey the people. So how much did you, did you give 
to God. Oh, we're going to give one month of our income. One month, that's a lot. And he asked another guy, say, oh, I'm going to give two months of my income. I said, wow, that's great faith. Oh, yeah, 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 we, we do this all the time. He was pretty shocked. And then he went home, started to pray. And then he promised God, God, all right, that's fine. I'm going to give 10,000 ringgit. So from 500, he increased his giving to 10,000. In three weeks' time, in three weeks, he was being blessed by God 54. 54, it's 5,000%. And overnight, almost over three weeks, after three weeks, he became a millionaire. Now, the blessings of God, the Bible says, will overtake you. Our God is a rich God. Amen? He made the heavens and the earth. He got more than enough. The Bible says he owned the carols of a thousand hills. He's not uptight with us having a lot of money. As long as we know that we are not using the money for ourselves. If God can bring money through us, He will bring it to us. Amen? Verse 3, You'll be honored both in the city and in the country. Verse 4 to verse 5, You will have babies. Verse 4 says, Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. You will have a lot of children when you get married. And everybody say, Alright. Okay. God hears prayers, you know. And your current account will explode. Alright, you are blessed you are blessed and respected both at home and at work. Verse 7 says, your enemies will be afraid of you. Verse 8, your investment will multiply and your workplace will prosper because of you. Wouldn't it be great when you go to work, you are like the best employee in the workplace because you bring blessing to the company. And recently, one of my leaders, she, she's, she's been working with this company for about two years now. And um, one day, the boss wanted to employ somebody. Now, employment laws in Malaysia and New Zealand is quite different. All right? So this is a story in Malaysian context. So, all right? So don't get too nervous. And what happened was, he, he, he advertised the position in a newspaper. And within two days, 200 applicants wrote in. And so the boss asked my leader, I said, Miss Lau, um, I know that you are a Christian, you come from City Harvest, and I know it's a good church. Do you have anybody who wants to work? So the moment she said, oh, I've got somebody from church, he's one of our leaders, immediately he got a job. There was no interview required. Why? Because he said, if it's from City Harvest, then it must be good. This is how you bring blessing to your workplace, by our attitude, by our work rate. Verse 10 People will fear God because of you. Verse 11, for a second time, the Bible says, you will have more babies and the quality of your harvest would increase. Verse 12, you always know the right season to do the right thing and you shall be the bank and not the customers. Hallelujah. That's my version. All right. Verse 13, verse 13, it says here, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. In the church, you will be the leader. In the school, you will be the class monitor. At work, you will be the director. At home, you'll be the father, mother, brother, or sister that God wants you to be. When we obey the voice of the Lord our God, blessings will come and overtake us. Amen? That's number one. Number two, we've got to take a step of faith. The Bible says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. We must learn to walk by faith. God will never show us everything that we want us to do, but only one step at a time so that we can exercise our faith.
Thirdly, we got to work. We got to work to make our circumstances more favorable. Faith and prayer does not mean we do not have to go to work. Some people just pray and hope that everything will be okay. Now, God does not work that way. God will do His part, and you and I, we have to do our part as well. Let me tell you a story. How many of you like stories? Yeah? This is a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about this because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Amen. The basic principle is to learn to work. The next one, character. The next foundation of life is character. This is a very important foundation. Why? Because character is something that we do not always talk about. We expect people who are doing well to, have, to automatically have good characters. When Bill Clinton was first charged for the case with Monica Lewinsky, a lot of people got shocked and disillusioned because people think he's, he was the president of the United States of America. How could he do that? Well, friends, let me tell you the truth. Talents may get you to where you are today, but your character may not be able to keep you there. Talents may get you to where you are today, but your character may not be able to keep you there. To have talent, it's easier. But to build character, it's harder. So church, today where we are, is it because of our talent or is it because of our character? Success is not everything. The measure of our character is seen through our integrity. What is integrity? Integrity is who we are in the dark and who we are in the light. It is the same us in private and in public. And the forming of our habits is a daily battleground of our character. We have to work on our habits. Sometimes we do feel lazy. We do feel like, oh, maybe I'll give it a miss today. But it takes layers of good habits to form one strong character. You cannot dream yourself into a character. You must hammer and forge yourself into one. Turn with me to Psalms 15. Psalms 15, all right? A Psalm of David. Psalms 15. It says here, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Verse 2, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. A person of character, of good character, is a person who speaks the truth even when he's thinking in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. If it means to protect my friend, to be righteous before God, even though it may hurt me, I will still do it. Why? Because I am a person with righteousness. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. In the life to come, when we meet with God face to face, you, I will not be asked, 
why were you not like Pastor Mike? I will be asked, why were you not Kevin while you were on planet Earth? You and I are given a calling and a destiny, and we are to live those the best we can. And everybody say, to be faithful is greater than to be bountiful. So we go through fast things in our lives. We are being stretched, we are being trained, we are being shamed all the time. By the end of the day, when we go to heaven, God will not ask us, how many cell groups have you multiplied? How many churches have you planted? How much have you done? How much money have you earned in a lifetime? How much have you given to the mission field? But what comes up before God, when I meet Him face to face, is the character that's forged during those difficult times in my life. Did I still trust in God? Did I still place my hope in Him? Characters forged during hard times is what we will have with us when we go to heaven to be presented to God as a gift. Not our results. Not all the things that we have achieved while we were on planet Earth. Lastly, number eight, the last foundation is our self-image. The last foundation is our self-image. This is our internal health. Our internal health is our actual health that determines the strength of our external health. 3 John 2, 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Our prosperity begins when our emotion is healthy. In this place, in this church, and um, I mean, I've known Pastor Mike for so long. One of the very important things is for us to build strong emotional health among our members. That they are confident of who they are, of the purpose and the destiny that God has given to them. So we heal them on the inside. We heal them of their wounds, of their struggle. We pray for them and set them free. Because when they are happy, they will do more for God. When they are assured of the calling that God has put into their lives, they will do far greater works for the kingdom of God. Chinese have a saying, if they are not happy, even the best food being offered to them would be tasteless. So we need to build a strong self-image. Gideon, in the Bible, he lost his self-esteem. He was living in fear. But God came to encourage him. God gave him the strength to fight. God gave him the emotional strength to believe in himself again. That's why God keeps telling him, you mighty man of valor. Mark 12, say this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In order for us to love our neighbor, we must first learn, must first learn to love ourselves. If I cannot take care of myself, how can I take care of my neighbor? If I do not know how to look after my family, how can I look after another person's family? A healthy self-esteem is to have a proper evaluation of who we are. Self-love is not wrong, but not self-centeredness. We have to differentiate between to be humble or to be humiliated. To be humble means I recognize my strength and my weaknesses in God. There are certain things I can do and there are certain things I cannot do. That is humility. There's a difference between self-denial and self-degradation. I don't have to degrade myself in order to serve God. I don't have to tell God, I am nothing. I'm a worm. You know, I've got, I'm nobody. 
So God, I don't deserve anything. No, but to deny ourselves means that we surrender our will to God. That God is the most important purpose in our lives. To recognize that we are unworthy is not the same as being worthless. I'm not worthy to receive the grace of God, but it was God's goodness that saved me. It was the cross of Jesus Christ that gave me new life in Him. But I'm not worthless. Jesus did not die for a worthless cross. Jesus did not die for nothing. You were bought with a price, 1 Corinthians 6.20. Therefore, glorify God. Self-love is not the same as selfishness. Self-love is, I'm happy with who I am. I like doing things I'm created to do. I enjoy being myself. I enjoy being a child of God. Selfishness is, I am the center of the universe. Everything must evolve around me. If I'm not there, it's not going to work. Self-affirmation is not the same as self-conceit. Self-affirmation is this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isn't that a promise in the Bible? Yes, right? I can be blessed. I can prosper for the glory of God. I can inherit the promises of God because I'm a child of God. But self-conceit is I am the greatest of them all. I am the fairest of them all. Self-affirmation is not the same as self-conceit. Are you still with me tonight? Finally, self-aware is not the same as self-absorbed. Self-aware is to know the emotion that we are going through. You know that you're not happy. You know that you're upset. Alright? You're aware. You know that you're happy. Alright? That's self-aware. But self-absorbed is you have no emotion. You're emotionally shut down. You cannot feel. You cannot express yourself properly. So we got to work on all these areas, internal health of our lives in order that we can serve God effectively and fruitfully. A self-absorbed person is one who only thinks of himself alone. So church, let us learn to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Don't stop at loving ourselves, but we must go out there and love our neighbors because that is a command by Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I want you to just close your Bible with me right now. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads in prayer. I want us to think about our lives. The eight foundations I've talked about today is our spirituality, our work, our relationship, our physical health. And just now, I talk about our circumstances. I talk about our finances. I talk about characters. I also talk about internal health. You and I know that there are areas that we still struggle in. There are areas that we need breakthrough. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name. God, we just want to come before you right now and say, Father, I commit this area in my life. I want to invite you to come into my heart to just touch me. Let's all pray right now, wherever you are. talk to God bring our struggles before Him praise you Jesus thank you God for hearing our prayer.